Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the series that we're doing called Living is Christ. And what we're trying to do in this series, what I'm hoping to do is we're talking about what this life in Christ is all about so that um, we can experience it to the full, that Jesus came that we could have full and abundant now and forever life, and yet we have an enemy who wants to steal that life away. So we need to be aware of what this life is, and, and we started by looking in Philippians 1, 20 through 27, and we looked at a lot of ideas about this new life. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we started talking about Ephesians 4, and uh, you know, the bottom line for this sort of shift is that now what we're talking about is the putting off of the old self and putting on the new self. And that is done by the attitude in our minds being changed. But what's very, very important for all of these things that we're talking about now, because now we're, Paul is sort of listing new attitudes of the new self, is that we're, we need to be very much aware that, that these new attitudes are being developed in us as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit that this is not a self-help sort of moral improvement program. What we're involved with is uh, a living relationship with God, and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us changes us, uh, and and that this new self that Paul talks about, and that we'll read about again in the Scripture reading, has actually been created by God for us, and, and the, he's putting it on us. We're not working our way towards it. We're not, it's not our hard work that gets these new attitudes in place. It's a yielding to the Holy Spirit so that as we see these attitudes being developed in us, we can sort of look and think, wow, that's God at work in me. And, and he's making these changes in me. And these, these changes that we're talking about then are they're inside-out changes. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. So it's not just a behavioral shift, it's an actual change that's taking place as we yield to the Holy Spirit. And um, last week we talked about putting off falsehood and, and why that's important and being truth tellers and we spent you know, the, the message time looking at that. This week we're going to talk about anger. Let's ma- Anybody here ever get angry? So it's a reasonable topic then. Good. We're going to talk about how God wants us to uh, be changed in that whole process. So that's what we're up to, where we're going to head. That's the intro transition. I always try and do a bad joke or something. Before I do, let me tell you, most of you are praying for my daughter, um, Sarah, who's pregnant with twins and has just been put on bed rest a week ago, and she's made it through another week with the twins in, and that's really good, and we'd like to get four or at least more weeks with that happening. So um, keep her in prayer, all right? And uh, so that's going good, and we appreciate that very, very much. Um, so she's 31 weeks tomorrow, and I think they won. 36 would be perfect, 35, any, but it will, will be good, and we're praying for that. But anyway, with that said, uh, so we've been helping with the other three kids a little bit. My, my daughter has three other kids, six, five, and two. They're great, my grandkids. Um, so we've been helping with them. When I say we, mostly Alice. And uh, so... My granddaughter the other day, she's sitting in her high chair, you know, and she's twisting and she's moving all over the place. And my wife says, hey, could you straighten her up? And so I look at my granddaughter and I say, hey, what are you doing with your life? Do you want to be this way forever? It's time to grow up. And, and since then, my wife hasn't asked me to do anything else. That part wasn't true, but the rest of that story was. 
Nature abhors a vacuum, but not as much as my cat does. That's funny. I really thought that would get a big nature abhors a vacuum, you know. Ephesians 4, 22 through 32, here on purpose. And now you're ready for it. See how that works? You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true or righteousness and holiness. Therefore, so here come these new attitudes, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. And so there are the attitudes we're going to be looking at that the Holy Spirit is changing in us and that we should start to be aware when these changes take place. And when we see that they're not happening, it's, a, it's an idea that, that we don't make it happen, but we can definitely yield to the Spirit in those places, and we should begin to see some change. And, and you know, really, last week I talked about, you know, putting off falsehood. And, and so, you know, your, your prayer from that sort of situation is, Lord, you know, anytime I say something that's not true... I'd, as bad as it makes me feel, I'd like you to just let me know right away. And uh, he's very faithful to do that. And then you're like, oh, I, and then you get a chance to see, well, what's that all about? And Lord, would you fix that? And, and uh, you know, I want whatever that is that sort of moves back into that situation. I'd, I'd like for you to heal that so I don't keep doing it in the process. So this is what's going on. But today I want to talk about anger. So there, first point in your notes is that in your anger is how that verse starts, in your anger. Verse 26 and 27, we're going to focus on, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. These uh, sort of work together. So anger, um, anger is really a warning light. When, when you begin to feel angry, um, it's like a warning light in that you sort of need to stop and check under the hood. Uh, you need to, to take a look at what's going on with you. Something's wrong. And, and, you know, we need to sort of get our finger on what it is that's wrong and why we're feeling the way that we're feeling. What is this? Why am I feeling angry in this situation? And we also need to be very diligent about it. Um, we're to deal with it, the Scripture says, before the sun goes down. Now, I like that idea a lot. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I, I like the way that's put, before the sun goes down, because um, uh, so let's say you get angry in the morning. Anybody ever get angry in the morning? Uh, maybe just getting up makes you angry. Who knows? But you have some time to deal with it, but you, you're supposed to deal with it before that day is over. Why I think that's an important concept is I think sometimes we don't process anger appropriately, and, and what we do is we just sort of react to whatever it is very quickly, and it might not be the right response. So it's very important that we deal with it 
But we have a little bit of time to pray through it and think about it and process it and think about why it is we're angry before we react. Now, we need to do something about it technically before the end of that day, before the sun goes down. But, but we really need to learn to start looking at why, why do things make me angry and what's that all about? Um, and, and not just blow it off and not deal with it, because that's not what we're supposed to do either, but take a look at it and see what we're doing. What's going on that's happening? I need to think about this. I need to pray about this. God, I need your wisdom to know what's going on in the process so that I can deal with it appropriately. Not dealing with anger, the Scripture goes on to say, actually gives the enemy a foothold. That's an interesting word, foothold. It's the, in the Greek, it's the word tapas. Um, and tapas is where we get our word topography from. Um, and so it's, I always like to think of that as it, it gives, not dealing with anger, um, gives the enemy a pl- like a landing spot, a landing area. And, and so undealt with anger gives his enemy, gives the enemy just this place to come and land and start doing all sorts of stuff that I would rather he didn't do in my life. And so, so that's what it looks like. Anger should be, just think of anger. When I'm angry, it's a big warning light. Something's not right. I, I, I need to deal with it. I want to deal with it appropriately. I don't want to just do the, actually, the first thing that I sort of think about is, I don't know about you, but generally that first reaction I have isn't a good one. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not just to push it away and not deal with it at all. Because I need to look at what it is and what it's all about and deal with it appropriately. And if I just kind of constantly am feeling my anger come up and just pushing it away and not dealing with it, um, the enemy then has this avenue of attack on me because he knows it's kind of still floating around in there. So, so that's how this thing looks as we put together. Now, the second thing is I want to talk about two types of anger. Two types of anger that uh, I know from the Scripture. That's point two in your notes. Two types of anger. Now, Paul um, is quoting from Psalm 4 when he tells us, in your anger, do not sin. Because Psalm 4, 4 says, in your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. So, because the Holy Spirit, through David and Paul, is instructing us that in our anger we're not to sin, what you need to know is it doesn't say that we're never supposed to be angry. Um, it's telling us that, that um, we need to be careful that in our anger we don't sin. And so, so you, you will experience anger in your life, and, and that part of it is not sinful. How we deal with it is where we can get in trouble. So, so there's a sinful anger, and there's an appropriate anger and so I want to talk about those two uh, with you here for a moment. So little letter A is a sinful anger. Sinful anger. And this is an anger that's rooted in our sin nature. It's rooted in the old self. And this is what most of our anger is. Let's just get that right out on the table. Most of our anger is uh, selfish. It's about not getting what I want or... Um, being manipulated or guilted into something or um, the number of other petty things that really don't matter that make me angry. You know, I could, I could sit here and talk to you about how people drive and stuff like that, and you know my, my whole deal with people that don't know about getting in the proper lane, and I've told you the story over and over again in Key West, and, you know, there's two types of people down there, and the ones that get in that left lane, even though they know they got to wait in line, and the ones who don't and zip up and cut over, and I don't know which kind you are. 
and I'm not here to judge. <laughs> but, but those things can make me angry. And I've told you, angry to the point of being stupid, where I'm not allowing any gap between me and the car in front of me. So I'm having to pop the brakes all the time, just half an inch away from hitting that car and refusing to make eye contact with anybody over there who's trying to get in because I don't want to even begin to see them or recognize them or have them recognize me. And, uh, <laughs> and I can say, well, I never saw you because I was looking at the ocean while I was half an inch away from that car in front of me. Um, but you get that s sinful anger, right? That's... It doesn't make, it's, it's petty. It, it doesn't make any difference at all. It's, uh, and yet, big chunks of our anger are like that. So, so we need to be aware of that. In Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 12, 20, it says, Paul said, I'm afraid uh, that when I come, I may not find you as I, as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. And I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. And that, so that's what Paul said, hey, I might not be what you want. You're not going to be what I want, and we're going to have this, this anger. It's going to be an issue. James 4, 1 and 2, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So there's some scripture that kind of talks about the majority of the anger that we experience. It's, it's this sort of sinful type of anger. It's petty. And, and yet, we experience it, and we need to deal with it. And, you know, most of the time, I think when we can sort of stop for a moment, like we're supposed to inappropriately think about, why am I angry, angry, and does it really matter? And then we can stop being angry. So I really do much better now in driving situations. I really do. Because um, I just have decided it's not worth it. To, to let all that happen. So don't worry about it because it doesn't make a bit of difference in the scheme of things. You know, so a lot of times we can process that and we learn as we go. And, and when we sort of get to that spot, it's really the, you can see the Holy Spirit working in those areas in your life and helping you discern what's appropriate and what's not. So m while much of our anger is sinful, probably most of it, there is another type of anger that I want to talk about. That's the letter B, and that's a righteous anger. A righteous anger. Um, the best way to define righteous anger is it's being angry at what makes God angry. Being angry at what makes God angry. And righteous anger is, is the right word order because um, you need to know God is not fundamentally angry. God is fundamentally righteous. And so God's anger is always a byproduct of his righteousness. So righteous anger doesn't feel or look um, like sinful anger at all, because the godly righteous anger is always governed and directed by love. Because God is righteous, but he's also love. First John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And love is patient, we know from 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud. So, so God's anger is, is governed in, in love and patience. That's what righteous anger looks like. If you, if you want a sort of picture of, of that, of this sort of um, love-governed anger in operation, well, then Jesus is a perfect model of that. You know, Jesus knew that a day of judgment was coming when he would come to the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and his enemies would be, you know, um, 
tread in the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, Revelation 19, 15 and 16, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He'll rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus knew that this time was coming, um, that, that that's when all that stuff would be displayed. But long before bringing judgment, he comes to bring salvation to his enemies. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what you need to know is when he came to save, he rarely expressed anger. Just rarely happens. Now, there, there's, a, there's a sinful anger that we need to be careful of. And it's a self-righteous anger. It's not a righteous anger. It's a self-righteous anger. And, and we want to pass it off as righteous anger, but it's really not. And, and this is the best way I know to tell the difference. Um, a righteous anger will always have in it uh, a time of grief where, where something catches you and, and it breaks your heart, and then you realize that it's... It's, you know, it's God's heart is also broken over it, and that, that leads then to a righteous anger. It's not something that comes quick. It's, it's, there's this, there's, you know, something evil, inherently evil or something, and, and it happens in the world, and it breaks our heart, and we grieve over it, and, and that can lead to a righteous anger, but Oftentimes, we, something will happen, and we snap into this other type of anger, and that's more of a self-righteous anger. Like when Jesus, see, Jesus rarely displayed anger. When he did, it was usually at religious people f for different reasons, and people go, well, he overturned the money tables. He absolutely did, a display of righteous anger. But he had been lamenting over Jerusalem, if you read the Scripture, before that had happened. So he had grieved over what had taken place before he displayed any anger in the process. So how should we be angry? Point number three. So what does it look like? What do we do? James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So the, the things that I suggest are this. Um, as you're allowing the Spirit of God to develop in you, uh, appropriate anger, um, always do this. Point number A. Always look at your own logs first. Um, the logs in our own eyes need to be examined and dealt with way before we ever start looking at other people's. Uh, Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. So a righteous anger would always first see the logs in our own eyes. It would humble us. It would grieve us. Um, uh, you know, we would even get to the spot where we see that we're twisting God's goodness and we would get busy repenting of, of that before we even began to address anybody else's stuff. Generally, that will stop you from moving into self-righteous anger because you can't get there if you're legitimately doing that. you got enough of your own stuff. It's very hard to move into the other spot. And B, it should always be very slow to be expressed. James 2.13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we have to remember that this appropriate anger, this righteous anger, it's governed by God's love, and so it's very slow to be expressed. 
And it, it's always allowing for redemptive acts uh, of love to be pursued first, if at all possible. We, we truly do want mercy to triumph over judgment for others. Um, be, and we should be remembering because Jesus, you know, um, he, he demonstrated his mercy to us because he came first bearing a cross before he would pick up a sword. And, and so it's very important for us to understand that order in our lives. And, and let me tell you that even, even when it's a righteous anger, um, it should, what it should do is that it should always really drive you to prayer more than anything else. Uh, I, I think too often as believers we've forgotten the importance and the power of prayer in our lives. And we, we tend to turn to chariots and horses to fix things instead of just getting this right with the Lord. And so when, when we find a situation that grieves us and, and, and we know that it grieves the heart of God, then, then a righteous anger is there, but it's really displayed best as we turn all that to prayer and we, we just consistently move it before God and, and you know, ask Him for direction and, and what we should do with it and we need to go with it in the process. And always remember that's a very, very important part of what we're called to be and do. And that none of us will ever be perfectly angry, um, this, this side of the deal. Um, but, but we can continue to grow in the grace of a, of a righteous anger, dealing with anger appropriately, allowing the Spirit to change us over time, really sort of processing anger, not being people that just snap um, in response, which continues it and pushes it forward, but being able to understand, okay, I got time to look at this. Holy Spirit, help me know what this is. What's my response? What should it be? What does it look like? And then allowing him to move in us from there. So this is one of those new attitudes be de being developed in us. Remember, we're, the, the whole idea is that as this new self is being put on us, Create, it's been created by God in holiness and righteousness. He's done it. But, but we're, you know, yielding the Spirit, and He's putting this on us. That ultimately, it's so that we reflect the, the image of God uh, to the world around us. And that, that when people see us, they, we, they can see the light of Jesus. When they hear us, they, they can hear the, the truth. They, they, um, they, they can experience, you know, uh, uh, people that are, that are trying to be the, the people of God he's called us to be and live lives of love and impact the world that way. So sort of remember that as we work through these things together, that, that we're yielding the Spirit, and these are the changes that, that are and should be happening in us over time. Already, you know, we should, we should be people that are truth-tellers, and we know we got some work to do, and we should be people dealing appropriately with anger um, and, and that he's working on us in that. So think about those two things. Uh, Next week is fascinating. We're doing this a verse at a time. Uh, I think you're, you're going to have to get in. It says, uh, don't, don't steal any longer, but work. And uh, so that you can give. It's going to be really good. You're going to like it. You want to be here next week. But that'll be the next attitude that we talk about. But that's it for now. Thanks for being here. If you're here, if you're watching my video, thanks for doing that. We'd love for you to come and visit when you get a chance. Um, if you need prayer, there's a prayer page on the website. Go there, and uh, we will pray for you. We hope to see you soon. God bless you guys.